How can you make a difference in the world if you're not different from the world? And the goal in life is you only got one life. It ain't like we're cats. We don't have nine of those, right? We only have one. And with that one, we have to reach someone. We have to reach our group of people. So if someone was to investigate your life right now and interrogated your life, would you have enough evidence that you are a Christian? Or would they see there's more evidence of you being like the world than it is like God? And that's important because your life was meant to be lived for God's glory. We said, uh, as some evidence is you trust in Jesus Christ alone. We talked about how if you trusted money, if you trusted people, they will fade and they will fail. But because Christ and what he did has been finished, I can trust in him to finish the work in my life. Number one, he says, you'll grow hatred towards sin. That doesn't mean you're going to stop right away, but you're going to hate that you're doing it. And so if there's any sin in your life that you don't despise, that you don't hate, then could be that you either may not quite be saved, or it could be that your mind hasn't been renewed to why that sin is bad so that you got hatred toward it. So let me ask this question. Why should we hate sin? Yeah. So, for instance, your best friend, nine times out of ten, you're not going to be friends with their enemy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're going to be like, if, if she mad at her, you mad at her. You know, if she don't like her, you don't like her, right? The same as we'll see. You, you have some. Oh, my bad. You have, you have some. Wait, sorry. Yeah. And we know that anything from the devil is not going to help us to go to new levels, right? It's going to bring us down, right? And so we have to hate sin because sin is a cancer. And what does cancer do? It kills good cells and it inevitably kills you. And so if I know that sin's a cancer, then I got to hate it. You know what I'm saying? Like for those who grew up in alcoholic homes, people who grew up in drug infested homes and they saw what drugs and alcohol did to their family. They don't do alcohol because they hate it because of what it did to their life and their family. So uh, uh, evidence of you being saved is that you hate sin because how many people in this room want to win? All of us want to win, and we can't win with what? There we go. Number three, you will seek to be obedient to God's word because, you know, God's word is profitable. And, you know, that obedience is better than sacrifice, meaning that God can care less about your worship on Sunday. God can care less about how you look or act like a Christian. He cares about are you truly obeying him? Do you know there's safety in obedience? So, like for instance, if a kid's run out in the street and you yell at them, yo, don't cross the street. Kid don't listen, get hit by a car, gone. And how many of us are this far away from passing away because we're not in obedience? I'm not here to, uh, to scare you all, but that's life. God saying, hey, the reason why I say these different things are wrong to do is because if you do them, you can have or suffer consequences. Next one, you will have a greater sense of your sinfulness and a deep need for Jesus Christ. So you'll be aware. We said that we're all evil. You put a pedophile over here and you put a liar over here and God sees it both the same. Now, every sin got different consequences, right? Different consequences. But when it comes to judgment, it's still the same. Because no matter what, if you have the ingredients of evil, you will do evil. We said the analogy about... Um, if the, Jesus said, if you have, if you harbor hate towards your brother, you've already committed murder against them. Why does that 
Why did he correlate hatred to murder? They're the same thing. Because we said yesterday that the same ingredients in a cupcake are the same ingredients in a wedding cake. Just different sizes. So what he's saying is, if you have the ingredients of murder, nine times out of ten, you may murder. So for instance, if, a per- if you harbor strong hate towards somebody, deep hate, and they talk about you or hurt you, and you grab something and hit them across the face, and they die, you weren't intended for them to die. But you obviously killed that person, right? Also, the Bible says if a man harbors lust in his heart towards a woman, he's already committed adultery because many, many young men and young women have done sexual things to people, not physically, but mentally. How many of us have screens in our minds and God said, you've already committed adultery with that person. And so God is saying, oh, just because I didn't commit the sin doesn't mean I haven't sinned. And so when you begin to deep, think deeply then you'll begin to say, oh, I need God because, yo, I'm evil. And the reason why, and I'm not sitting there saying, oh, like I said yesterday, go to your mom and be like, mom, I'm so sorry for being evil because your mom evil too. <laughs> your daddy evil too. My wife evil. I'm evil. Everybody evil. But the difference between Christian evil and world evil is that the Christian says, I know I am. Therefore, I got to go to the I am to make sure he cleansed me. Get this evil off me. For instance, if your clothes caught on fire, what are you going to do? going to let yourself burn? No. What are you going to do? Drop? Uh, Stop, uh, drop, and roll. <laughs> and are you going to roll cute? No, ain't no girl going to be like, <laughs> and roll cute. No <laughs> guy going to be like, well, let me take my J's off first. Let me get, nobody going to get cute. You're going to roll crazy, right? And so if you know that your soul's on fire and fire mixed with fire burns even more. So I got to say, God, if I'm on fire and I'm rolling towards hell, get this fire off of me. You hitting yourself, you pat, you roll, because you know, if I let the fire burn, I can be dead. dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so I want to make sure I make this plain because I don't want you guys to be sin conscious. But what I want you to do is to be aware of why you desperately need God more than anything in this world, because you're going to be like, hey, if I don't get rid of this lust issue, this pride issue, this arrogant issue, this insecurity issue, which are all emotional sins, then they will uh, flood into other people's lives. So imagine a young man who got lust problems. What's going to happen when that lust get into a marriage? What happens when that lust get into parenting? What happens when a girl who has low self-esteem and that low self-esteem gets into a marriage? It's going to spread. And so that's why I say, God, I got to get ahead of this so that this won't spread from me. Because sin is contagious, sin is cancerous, and the evidence of your salvation, like God, I have a greater sense of my sinfulness, and I, I, and I have a deep need for you. Next, a true believer confesses their sins and grows in repentance. Now, what is repentance? Turning away, yeah. What it, oh, I'm sorry, Brielle. You was going to say the same thing? Sorry, my father, my back. So, repentance means turn away. Now, what does turn away really mean? Like, in, in, turn your feet around. There you go. The Face the other way and go a different way. So, <laughs> repentance is I'm turning away, going towards the now. Can you go two ways at the same time? Can I sprint both ways? I can't. I can't. At the same time, my, my, my body was split. It, it, I'm, it's physically impossible for me to run five yards this way, 
five yards this way at the same time. But how many of us look dumb in the spiritual world because we're trying to go two different ways? We can't. Oh, yes. You just amen. I got you. I appreciate you. Appreciate you. So I either I'm either going the world's way or I'm going God's way. So in order for me to repent, I have to be aware that this way is wrong. This path that I'm taking is wrong. So repentance. Uh, what's another? What's a word in repent? Repent. Pent. Now, what's another way of using the word pent? As far as someone where someone lives, a penthouse. A penthouse is where? At the top. So repent means to come back to where I'm supposed to be. I'm leveling up. So sin, lust, arrogance, hatred, gossip, all those negative emotions are on the bottom floor. And when you're at the penthouse, you can see what? Everything. Everything. You You ever had a hotel? And you look out the window, it's just nothing but another building. You're like, man, I don't got no view. What's, what's this? <laughs> All I see is a brick wall. That's what, that's, what, that's what sin does. You have no clear view. But when you repent and you go to the top floor, you can see what the bottom floor can. And so God is not saying, hey, repent because I said so. Repent because you get to see more. Like you get to see life the way it was designed to be seen. And so if I confess my sin of down here... Unlike a tall building, with God, you don't have to get on the elevator and say, okay, I'm going up to the top. God says, right when you repent, boom, you're right where you need to be. Now, stay up there. You see what I'm saying? So let's keep going. Next seven. Oh, oh, we, we are talking about this. Uh, believers bear good fruit. What are some examples of good fruit that a believer bears that people can eat from and be uh, 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 nourished? Kindness. Kindness. Bananas. It's okay. It's okay. You. It's all right. Bananas. Loving. Huh? Loving, kindness, bananas. What else? Patience. Patience. <laughs> Gratitude. Gratitude. Hmm? No, we just, huh? Mercy. Mercy, yep. That's good fruit. Now, thankfulness, yep. So now, let's, let's expand a little bit. Now, what are the two types of fruits out there right now? Two categories of fruit. Uh huh. Well, give me the terminologies. Huh? Let's go to another, another, another terms that you see in the stores. You'd be like, this is this and this is organic. Organic, and then what's the other one? Regular. GMO. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Genetically modified, right? Now, genetically modified means that it's not organic, that it wasn't made in its original way, that it has some. Additives added to it, right? So there are some Christians or some believers, quote unquote, that look like this fruit. Now, GMO fruits, GMO genetically modified chicken, all anything that's genetically modified tends to look what compared to the other? They tend to look what? Fake, good, bigger. You ever seen an <laughs> organic apple come <laughs> close next to a? Genetically modified apple, the GMO apple looks bigger, but it doesn't have the same nutrients. So most people who brag about their faith or act like they have a big faith and you see them in the front shouting or you see them running around or you see them uh, being fake even in school. That's why, uh, unfortunately, Victory has pushed um, the school as far as the students 
and staff to a degree has pushed some people away because the, the kids who come from public school and they'll come into this school and they'll be like, All right, I want to do this God thing. And then the people who've been here 14, 18, 26 years ain't living a life that confuses them. And now you have a bunch of people like, man, they're fake. See, the goal in life is to make sure that I bear good fruit. Now, does a tree advertise this fruit? Does a tree be like, hey, I'm Orange Tree? No, no an uh, apple tree don't be like, whoo, whoo, I'm an apple tree. No, they don't do that, right? What it does is the fruit brings the people. And so now, if you really want to make an impact in the world, the world is looking for, and I'm going to talk this with you all. The world is looking for these type, these four things that only the believer has. Number one is enlightenment. I write them on the board. Enlightenment. So you got enlightenment. Right? Number two, love. Number three, hope. Joy. What was the first one say? Enlightenment. The title of this message? The top, the top four things the world is looking for that only the believer has. Long title, but yeah. Enlightenment, love, joy, and peace. Now, what is the bottom half of the fruits of the Spirit? <clears throat> Can someone look that up for me? So, what comes after peace and the fruit of the Spirit? That the world is looking for that only the believer has in Christ. Someone find those fruit of the Spirit for me. And what comes after peace? Patience, yeah. Patience. What's after patience? Kindness. Kindness. Goodness. What's after kindness? Gentleness, you said? Goodness. Goodness after kindness? Okay. Faithfulness. Goodness, faithfulness, self-control, gentleness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Where's gentleness? Gentleness in here somewhere. The last one? Gentleness. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Now, now who got this, who has the scripture in front of them? Who has the scripture in front of them? Huh? That, that, that fruit of the spirit scripture. Now, does it say does it say fruit or fruits? Does it say fruit or fruits? So, doing the writing is enlightenment means kindness, love. No, I'm, I'm about to break it down for you. I got you. I got you. What uh, does it say? Fruit or fruits? Fruits. 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 No, it's not. Ah, look at it again. Look at it. What does the New King James say? New King James. Yeah, yeah. King now, James says fruit. So fruit. Why do you think it's singular and not plural? Because they come together as one. They're one. Can I be loving if I'm not kind? No. Can I be kind if I'm not at peace? No. Can I be gentle if I'm not patient? No. So we. I must be preaching that gospel truth, man. <laughs> Crucified. Um, so listen, now, now these I'm talking about when they were throwing 
No, not me. Not him. I'm not saying crucify him. I'm talking about. Oh. <laughs> All right. So uh, now, now the top three. So this is this is different. The top three are those actions or are those embodiments? Embodiments. Embodiments. That means uh, it can be a verb, but love, joy, and peace is something transformative, right? Now, why is enlightenment so important? Enlightenment means that I am fully aware of who God is, who I am, and what am I supposed to do. Now, why is that important to have starting life? Knowing who God is, knowing who I am, and knowing I'm supposed to be. Both y'all ladies go. Y'all both go. Okay. So that you can get through. You need enlightenment so that you can get through the worldly ways. That's good. Yep. Yeah. What your purpose is, or who you are, and who God is. So knowing who you are. And to know who you are is also going to have more than you go to the world. Because if you don't know who you are, you're going to be lost. And then you're going to try to live up for other people like standards. Yep. So you see. In order for me to bear good fruit, I have to be enlightened that I'm a bad tree. I have to be enlightened that God has a purpose for my tree, though. Because if I don't bear this fruit, we can't sustain anything in life. So what I was saying was the world is looking for those top four things. There's so many billionaires right now that don't know who they are. There's so many multimillionaires who don't even know who God is. You made a lot of money, but you can't really make a family. You see what I'm saying? So you're not enlightened on everything that God wants you to have enlightenment about. Go ahead, swear. What's that, peace? Patience. You know, I'm, just, I'm scribbling. I'm just scribbling. Patience. And so if you are enlightened on who God is and you're enlightened on who you are and what you're supposed to do, you walk with confidence. Also, if when you're enlightened and someone tries, you still walk in love because you know who you are. When you enlighten on who you are, you know for a fact, hey, I know that God loves me. I always had a place of joy. I always have peace. Now, you notice that those are interconnected. The ultimate fruit baseline for a believer is self-control. But the path to self-control is this way. What's under uh, goodness? Faithfulness. And what's under faithfulness? Faithfulness, gentleness. And then self-control. So, we see that in order for me to have self-control, and why is self-control one of the greatest marketing fruits of a believer's life? When someone is self-controlled, someone slapping you, be like, you know, I'm just gonna walk away. If someone slap you, see, for instance, if someone slaps you. And you realize, now think about this. Now, if I slap back, then things escalate, right? Think about, that's right. Self-control is saying this. Anytime someone disrespects me, it's, the, it's proof that they disrespected themselves. They don't respect themselves. So why am I going to disrespect myself 
to lower myself to their disrespectful self. And now we both look dumb from afar. Yes, well. That's fine. That's fine. So now the path to self-control. All these are connected. So if I'm not enlightened about God's love, love leads to joy. How does love lead to joy? That's right. So if I know that I'm loved by God, I always have joy. No matter how bad it is, no matter how bad, because a lot of you guys in here, your upbringing is not necessarily what you desire to be brought up in. Some of you all may have bad households. Some of y'all, uh, uh, your dad's not there, your mom's not there, or they're there, but they're too busy. And, and, and when a kid doesn't know that God loves them and they only measure God's love based upon the love that's been given to them, then they'll never have joy. And now happiness, what Kurt Frank say, happiness is based upon what is what? Happening. It, it was, it was an end part of that song, but you, you was on the right, you was on the right. So happiness is based upon what is happening. So if it's not happening, I'm sad. If it is happening, I'm happy. Joy says whether it's happening or not, God already made it happen, so I'm joyful. So when I know that God loves me, I have joy. When I have joy, I'm at peace. Now, when I'm at peace, I'm patient. Peaceful people are patient. Yes? I have a question though. Uh -huh. kind of off topic. No, you're fine, you're fine. So, you know, as Christians, so that's been so great, right? Uh-huh. Um, so a lot of people are like still like, is this still the same thing? But you're just going just for the ride? Well, but you're going for the ride physically, but what does the enemy want you to ride? What I mean by that is this. If you're in an environment, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where now you become the roller coaster and the devil's riding you. So it's, what I mean by that is this. And I know some of y'all you know, going crazy with that. What I'm saying is this. Is that there are certain environments you don't want to put yourself in, not because someone's going to physically harm you, but the open doors you open to demonic spirits. Right. And so if you're at a place where fear and you're scared, that's an open door. So if, can you go to scare winds and still be a Christian, and still be saved? Yeah. But will you be a babe or a mature Christian? You won't be a mature one because you're opening yourself up for something that you don't really want into your life, possibly. So, for instance, now, if I'm if now if I am driving my car and I'm in the hood, am I going to pump gas there? No. no. So why am I going to go to scare women? Huh? But if you're on zero, I mean, that's why you plan ahead. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, if I know the hood is coming and I got this gas station right here. Now, there's some, there's some times where I do park and I do get gas at the hood, but that's 1% of my pumping gas experience. So if I know for a fact I'm not going to pump gas in the hood, why am I going to put myself in the devil's neighborhood? Yeah. With all them hood people. And not even just the people. The more ghetto, the more ghetto, like the demons are more ghetto than that. So, all right, so it connects by this. <laughs> when I'm enlightened, I know that I'm love. When I know that I'm love, I find joy. When I have joy, I have peace. When I have peace, I'm patient. Patient people are kind people. Kind people do good things. Good people are faithful. Faithful people are gentle. Gentle people who love themselves are self-controlled. Now, Next evidence, and we'll be done in about five minutes. God disciplines his children like any loving father would. 
Evidence that the Bible says, uh, what's that scripture? It says, um, he chastens those whom he loved. When I was a young Christian, not necessarily a young Christian, but young-minded Christian, when God disciplined me, I didn't like it. And when you guys, shh, when you guys get to a certain level with God, this is where most people have a challenge with him. Now, for instance, the reason why we as teachers or we as mature adults, whoever's in your life is a mature adult, the reason why we discipline you all is because we love you all. Discipline is proof that someone loves you. A parent that lets you do whatever you want doesn't love you. A teacher that lets you do whatever you want doesn't love you. It's the people who... It's the people who... <laughs> Who correct you, who love you. Because they know if I don't discipline you, you won't find success. And even right now, at the beginning of the school year, I'm not going to be like, man, shut up, sit down. I'm going to just see how you respect each other. I'm going to see how you respect yourself. I'm going to see how you respect me. That gives me clues on where you are with your own self. But the goal in life is to put you in a place where you are disciplined. And God disciplines God, I ain't talking about God said go get a switch. I'm not saying God tell you to go get a belt and you're going to get beat. I'm not saying this, saying God's going to beat you. But discipline is, I know you want this, but I'm not going to give it to you. Discipline says, you know, I'm going to keep you here longer than you need to be, than you desire to be. Because I know that if I let you go, and I let you do what you want, you're going to get it. Why do you, who has little sisters, little brothers? Now, what is, what is the most valuable thing you have in your house that you know for a fact I'm not going to let that kid hold? Tiffany rings. Why? Why won't you let them hold that? Yeah. And then, and then, now, now, a fool will say, you know what? This is valuable to me. I know that you can't perceive value, but I'm going to let you hold it anyway. That's, you wouldn't do that. So if we wouldn't do that to a younger sibling, why would God do that to us? Because you know, God knows, if I give it to you before you're ready to receive it, you're going to break it. Next point, Christians fear the Lord. What does that word fear mean? Respect. Respect. Now, when Pastor Gu was alive, if Pastor Gu walked in this door, everybody in this building, cheeks tighten up. Everybody straighten up. Everybody scooting their chair and why? Because we respect him. Uh huh. Right? So respect is proof that you honor someone. The crazy thing is about that analogy is if Pastor Gould, uh, uh, you know, rest in peace, you know, and it, but his wife walks in or someone of some level of respect walks in, right? Everybody in here is going to be. Act right. Or if you're in your bedroom and your dad or mom walks in, you you, you still swipe the thing off the screen. <laughs> Close the laptop. Oh Threw it out the window <laughs> based upon what you're doing, right? The crazy thing is... What'd she say? Oh, she's not, not, not for repeating? No, don't repeat. Okay, okay. We'll, we'll keep. Listen, listen, listen. This is why this point's important. If we have the sense... Listen, listen. It's going to change your life. If we have the common sense to act right when a human being comes in, why do we sin openly before God is everywhere? It's a lack of respect. Why do we disrespect God? Because God is loving. 
God is Santa Claus. God is God. We've been we've been preached to that. God is good, good, good. God is loving, loving. And that is true. But his love is balanced with his wrath. So many people are 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 mishandling God's presence because God ain't striking nobody down. I promise you, we'll all respect God if someone out there is sitting out there in the field right now and they just sinning and a lightning bolt hits them. Boom. Sinning. And everybody looking outside, oh, okay, I'm, I ain't going to do that. <laughs> oh, he's striking people down now, right? But because God's grace is here, what happens when that grace runs out on the day of judgment? How many people react realistically in this room think they're going to heaven but actually going to hell right now? That's the reality. I can promise you that to a degree, if you do the percentages, not everybody in every room or Christian room is on the path to heaven. That's the reality. Because most people don't have this evidence of salvation. When you respect somebody and you honor that they're everywhere, it's not that you're like, God, like, because you're looking, I'm going to do good. No, fearing God says, because you've been good to me, I want to do good. And so when you're in a situation, I'm not sitting there saying that everything you do in private means God don't, is mad at you. I'm not saying God mad at you at all. But God's just saying, hey, evidence of you rocking with me is that you respect me. Because it's going to come a day where each and every one of us is going to have to stand before God by ourselves face to face. And how would that conversation go? If we barely speak to him down here. How are we going to really have a conversation when he's when heaven and hell is in the balance? Like life is serious. Like life ain't about just, oh, I'm just going to have fun and I'm going to twirl around and do all stuff. No, I got to make sure that I respect God because the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of what? Knowledge. Knowledge and some texts say wisdom. So if I fear God, if I don't fear God in the area, then how can I walk in wisdom in that area? And so these are the type of messages that needs to be spoken because when you begin to understand the components of salvation and the evidences you have to have, then you're going to be looking at your life like a mirror saying, man, am I truly saved? Because Christians, real ones, they fear the Lord. They respect him because he's been so good, because he's faithful. I respect him. And just like you respect that parent. Or that person, and when they're in your presence, you remove your sins. Why not remove your sins when God is saying, "Hey, I see it all." Yes, sir. You know, like when God gives people like dreams about the rapture, because think about this: if um, when you're trying to surprise somebody, do you tell them about the surprise? <laughs> You wanted something different today. <laughs> that ginger ale got you. Nah, I'm messing with you, swear. So you, when it's a surprise, you don't just tell them about the surprise. Why? If you knew that I was coming, then you're going to fake act like you're ready. So if I, if I catch everybody off guard, on judgment, nobody can be like, oh. <laughs> so if you get caught off guard and God raptures everybody up, or, or the end times is happening, then no one can say, hey, I knew when he was coming because the thief comes when nobody's watching. And so if God is coming to snatch his people, 
He wants to snatch his people and catch his people living the way they should. So God said, hey, man, I'm going to surprise everybody. Because then, you know, what happens, like, you know, you got caught doing something wrong. There's a lesson in that. But imagine God coming back right now and 40% of his room is still in their chairs. That's something to think about because once the judgment is done, that's it. And that level of fear of God should put some contemplation in you. Like, okay, I got to think, am I really saved? Because if Jesus came back today, how many of y'all, if you really examined your own life from today backwards, will say, I have enough evidence to go with him? Because what if God came to you and said, okay, I want you to write on a sheet of paper all the evidences of why I should take you with me. How many of us can get a full page? Or how many of us have a blank page? Um, I think I can have a half a page. That's good. Working on it. There you go. That's this cool. message is not supposed to make you think that you have to be perfect. But the evidence of progression is the proof that you've been saved. If you're not progressing, if you're not embodying these different evidences, not to say, oh, uh, because some of you all, all of us are not there. I'm not there yet. But I have some of that in me. And you have some of that in you. But the goal is to be self-examining to make sure, okay, I'm, I really love God for who he is, and I'm willing to follow him anywhere. Any questions, thoughts, comments? We only got like one minute left. What y'all get from today's lesson? What y'all get? What y'all get? What y'all get? Uh, walk in excellence. Walk in excellence. You don't have to be perfect to show Yeah. There ain't no such thing as 100% evidence. But as long as I have some, there's proof that I have some. Yes. Um, sin is a cancer? No. Cancer. Sin is a cancer. That's right. Anybody else? Everybody good? All right. Love y'all. We'll uh, chop it tomorrow. So we'll talk Thursday.